podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A Celtic State of Mind. It is Friday, and that means, as always, I'm joined by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? Not too bad. Our top top uh, screen on the other side has been uh, unfortunately replaced. Jim cannot join us this week because, in his other life, he's a playwright and he's in the middle of a a two or three night run. I think it is of his new play, Bend It Like Bertie, um, which I'm. Assured was a great success last night, but obviously uh, he's got things to do in between to keep those lovies happy in the theatre. I'll let you know, Laura, I'm going tonight with my father, so I'll yes. give you the full rundown next time I see you. Oh, that that sounds absolutely great. Unfortunately, couldn't make it myself this weekend, but to anybody who's going, <clears throat> um, then obviously have a great time when you are there. Say hello to your fellow Axom listeners, who I'm sure will be there as well. Thanks everybody for joining us. We we've got a lot to discuss. Obviously, t- Tony, since the last time I was on the show, I know you're on on a Monday, but since the last time I was on the show, there's been a lot of transfer activity. Uh, we've got the Rangers game to look back at, which I was on the, obviously in the match coverage for, but but we haven't had a chance to talk about it ourselves. Um, and a wee look ahead to what's going to be happening sort of over the next couple of weeks during the during the international break because we sure as heck aren't going to be talking about Scotland after that result the other night but uh, before we do all that and before we talk about the modern day a little bit of a look back common phrase with Celtic Football Club know your history and it's something that I always try to do uh, one thing that you surely couldn't fail to know about if you're a Celtic supporter is the tragic death of Johnny Thompson which is uh, being remembered 90 years on this weekend. Sunday the 5th of September will be 90 years since he was uh, tragically killed during the Old Firm match at Ibrooks. Um, Tony, it's I think a, a great reflection on Celtic support that we are talking about a player 90 years on and that there are events, there's a pilgrimage happening to his, his gravestone in Cardenden this weekend. It's just everything Celtic's about, isn't it, to remember those who, who played for us? Oh, yeah. And I I think John Thompson is particularly poignant. Well, there's that wonderful carving on his gravestone. They never die who live in the hearts they leave behind. It just 
wonderful words that sums up the, the death of any Celtic player, but in particularly John Thompson, who, as you say, tragically gave his life in, in, the, in the act of duty at a Rangers game. And I've always felt that I love the light show in, 19, in, in the 67th minute for the Lisbon Lions, but I've always felt in the 31st minute that they should sing a chorus and a verse of the John Thompson song. I know it's particularly sad and the lyrics are not quite poignant and quite haunting, but I just think it'd be a wonderful tribute to remember uh, John Thompson you know, and keep that link to the, the heroes of the past because we sang enough about the heroes from 67 onwards. You know, but uh, I think John Thompson in particular <coughs> in the 31st minute of Celtic, uh, if Celtic fans could kind of take up the baton and the mantle and, and sing a, a chorus of the, the John Thompson song because I, 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 uh, I love the lyrics of the John Thompson song. I think it's great, you know. Between the poster stands a ghost, John Thompson was his name. I just think that would be absolutely wonderful if the, the Green Brigade or the Celtic fans could kind of remember him in, in the 31st minute. I just think it'd be a brilliant thing to do and as I say, you, you see it at the top of the programme, if you know your history, and it's uh, it's amazing to think that it's uh, 90 years and to all those that are doing the pilgrimage, I say, well done. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to do. I think a very own Lawrence Conley has embarked on the pilgrimage before. Don't know if he's doing it this time, but uh, yeah, he said it's a, it's a cracking thing to do and I'll get round to doing it at some point myself. Uh, but 90 years, wow. Uh, you know, and very popular goalkeeper at the time. I think he was the Prince, I think was his. Mm, prince of Goalkeepers was his nickname, yeah. yeah. So you don't get that moniker if, you, if you've carved an indelible mark in the sport and, and in Celtic's uh, history. So, yeah, uh, I have a have a reputation for making people greet. So if people are crying uh, right now, then it's not, my, it's not my modus operandi. But, yeah, I think uh, if we could adopt the John Thompson song in the 31st minute, it would make me happy, man. Yeah, I think it, I think it would. It's you, you know you you do say it's a it's a song full of regret and nostalgia and melancholy and all those nice and not so nice things in between. But it, but it is one of my favourite Celtic songs. I went to I went to the play the Johnny Thompson play that was on a few years ago in Glasgow uh, with my mum and as you can imagine, the pair of us were finding it hard to console uh, to to console ourselves or keep ourselves together throughout the whole thing. Um, my mum's dad, my granddad, uh, John, he he was actually of an age where you know Johnny Thompson was his his generation, so he went to the funeral and did all that stuff, you know, all those pictures you see of people making the trek from Glasgow to Cardenden, he was he was amongst those numbers. So it's a it's a connection for for me as well as a Celtic supporter that goes back, you know, through my family as well as the Celtic support. So it's always something I feel particularly connected to and and I think as well people forget as well that he wasn't just he wasn't just a fantastic player. He 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 was obviously raised Protestant in a time when there was Obviously, there's still the great divide between Catholic and Protestant and what it meant to be a Celtic player, what it meant to be a Rangers player. And he happily, you know, crossed that divide, made <clears throat> made people come together from both sides. And that's something that you can you can only hope uh, it's, it's continued throughout the years. But for it to have happened, especially at that time, was probably, in fact, it definitely was a much bigger deal than it is now. Um. And, and he was a fantastic goalkeeper from all from all records. You know, played for Scotland four times as well. Did a lot in his career for somebody who was only twenty two years old. 
yeah, I think it's just important to remember heroes and John Thompson, who tragically died, as you say, so young. He he's still one of those Celtic heroes that you know you any Celtic supporter, if you know the history, knows about John Thompson, regardless of what era they existed in or supported Celtic in. They know about John Thompson, which is why I just sort of think it's important to keep that memory alive by singing the song, as you say, the deeds that he did. And, you know, he was, to all intents and purposes, a wonderful, wonderfully talented goalkeeper and, by all by all accounts, a, a decent person too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, incredibly poignant that it's 90 years, but it'd be even more poignant if they could remember him at every home game now moving forward. I, I, I would love that to happen. And I think I wouldn't be alone in uh, thinking that too. Yeah, well, it would be certainly something to start, given that this is 90 years, for it to be the decade leading up to 100 years, for for, for that to be something that Celtic support uh, start to do. Although I have to say, if we start marking out too many more points of the match, we'll have our agenda handed to us when we get into the stadium. <laughs> I remember that when we were at the Jablonich game and the, the lights started going up for the 67th minute. I'm going, where's my phone? Where's my phone? <laughs> So, uh, so I, I, but no, it would it would be a fantastic thing to do. Um, just unfortunate that we're not playing this weekend, obviously, to mark it more, more poignantly, and more specifically on this weekend. But uh, thanks everybody for watching. For anybody watching on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, wherever you're watching, one thing I would recommend for you to do is um, Tifo Football did a fantastic video on Johnny Thompson a couple of years ago. It's only about six or seven minutes, so it shouldn't take up much of your time, but it. It goes into his history about being born and raised in Wellesley in Fife and how he started out as a 14-year-old working in the mines and that's where he built the strength to be a goalkeeper and goes into a bit more depth about his background and that kind of thing. And it's really, really a fantastic wee video that, that tells you a lot more and taught me a lot about Johnny Thompson that I didn't know about um, even years after I found out who he was. But uh, we'll move on. We'll move on from that sad... Um, sad memory on to um to current times and uh well, I was going to say better times but obviously last weekend wasn't so great um with us losing um to Rangers as we did um I have to say Tony like I, th- we get a lot of blowback uh, after the match coverage um for obvious reasons because I think emotions are high after an old firm match and people are you know wanting to defend Celtic or wanting to criticise Celtic and I always try and find the middle ground somewhere and be fair about it but one of the themes of the conversation was for those of us, myself included, who have been proponents of Ange's football and and everything that he's done and major fans of what he's done since he came into the club, there does come a point where at a certain point you have to say no those decisions were wrong that he didn't make the right call there my big one was playing Edward instead of Furihashi through the middle I, th- I think it's only fair when we come on a platform this is it not to to say when we think something's been done wrong or to praise when it's been done right of course and the manager was the first to admit and hold his hand up at the end of the game or when he was interviewed after the game and say that it was on him that he should have played Furuhashi through the middle. You know, so I, I think if the manager's perfectly honest and upfront and willing to admit that, then the likes of yourself and myself saying that it's it's not being critical. You're just you're just sort of offering a viewpoint which the manager now shares. 
So we're now agreeing with the manager that he should have uh, put Furuhashi through the middle because Furuhashi through the middle has been at his most devastating. Well, you know, when he and, and scored most of his goals by mm-hmm. going through the middle. So, you know, but he... And I, I made the point on Monday that I think he sort of based the team going to Ibrooks on the last half hour against AZ Altmar when there was a steady uh, shape to Celtic, you know, and they, and they saw the they saw it out pretty comfortably when Edward came on and and Altmar, you know, so maybe he was thinking right, I'll see how this goes, and if we can ride this out and get through to the Europa League group stages, that's what I'll do when I when we go to Ibrooks. You know, in hindsight and revisionism is a great thing and everybody's you know, rewriting history and stuff like that. But, you know, if you ask most Celtic supporters, the way they closed that game out against Alkmaar, they actually played quite well. You know, and a couple of slack or bad passes where they played Edward in one-on-one on goal. So going into Ibrooks and playing that shape, you weren't too perturbed, you know. Uh, but your thoughts in the back of your mind were, Furuhashi should probably be through the middle. But they had a whole 45 minutes to realise it wasn't working. You know, mm-hmm. so I would have put Furuhashi through the middle at half time because when he eventually made the switch and Roger came on 67 minutes, he went through on goal within 30 seconds or a minute and McCrory came out and blocked him. Then he went through on goal again, McCrory saved with his foot, you know, and then went through and goal again, elected to pass when he probably should have shot that time in the one that he shot off McCrory's foot should have squared to Christie. You know, so they would have got joy with him through the middle earlier. You know, and I think that's what Andrew's probably lamenting at the end when he was asked about it. So, yeah, yeah, could have, would have, should have. Bottom line is, we lost the game. But Mm. I guess if the manager's going to turn around and say, it's on me, I I wrote in the Celtic that it was maybe his way of apologising without actually saying sorry about playing through a hashi in that position. Yeah, and I think I think that was another major takeaway that I had from it. One thing that has pleased me about um about Ange so far has been that he has been willing to make changes early on in the matches when he hasn't seen it's working. This for some reason was a game where he chose not to do that and maybe waited a little bit too long to make the changes. I think for example, um I think the first substitution wasn't made till about sixty seven minutes. Um, Abada was taken off in something like the eighty sixth minute, having done little to nothing the whole game, um, and and that you know you could blame Abada for that, but I think with any wide player, if for whatever reason the team just aren't looking for you out there, the game can quite easily pass you by. So so there's obviously he's to blame for some of it, but not all of it. Um, but not making that change earlier did surprise me, as far as Andrew's concerned, because he's usually a bit more. A bit more decisive than that. Well, Abad and, and Kyogo were negated hmm. because they never once dropped a ball over the top like Anthony Ralston did in Altmar in the first couple of minutes and they got the goal from it. I never okay. once seen Abada or Kyogo giving, <laughs> giving a ball into a corner to chase down and whip it across for Eddie. For that matter, it happened once Kyogo squared it to Eddie and he missed the absolute sitter, but that was just once, you know. so when Celtic were playing it around, I always thought, why did they not try and just at least drop it over the top and let these these guys have got lightning speed, electric speed, and see what could have happened. 
but it happened just the once and we in Celtic fashion the best chance of the match uh, well best chance in the first half and uh, French Eddie I don't know what happened as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc., just took his eye off the ball, basically. You know, it's inexplicable how he's missed it. But he missed it, you know, so we can't replay the instant. But I, I found that strange. And then I found it stranger that he never changed it at halftime because of that. Mm. We only had that one chance, you know. And, it, and then, as you say, in the 67th minute when uh, the substitutions were made, Celtic then started to get a bit of joy because Furuhashi was running directly at Rangers and they got a couple of chances. Uh, but I also think as well that you looked at the bench at Ibrooks and it highlighted your lack of strength and depth. Because mm. Tom Rogic was the only player capable of influencing that game in an attacking sense. The rest were, you know, Adam Montgomery done pretty well uh, in the games that he's played. Sorrow is a holding midfielder and he clearly doesn't have any faith in a jetty. That's, mm. a, that's a centre forward. You're chasing a goal. In a, in a Rangers game and he didn't bring him on tells you everything you need to know really doesn't it yeah it is a, it is a strange thing and it actually brings me on to the kind of next talking point there, there's there been a lot of change a revolving door as far as the strikers are concerned this summer window we've we've, we've lost lost or got rid of whatever the phrase is you want to use uh, Eduard um, Griffiths they're both gone. We've brought in Yakimakis. Ayeti's still here. Furuhashi, if we're going to play him through the middle, it's another option. We are thin on the ground as far as striking options concerned, but assuming Yakimakis um, like sort of provides the form that he did last season in Eredivisie, you have to say we've got we've got goals on our hands if 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 things look like they're going to go the way they should. Yeah, they've got goals. I mean the Yakimakis Shorio from last season is very impressive. Mm. You know, lots of people are saying up until last season he wasn't uh, he wasn't that great. You know, lots of people are also saying but he he didn't score against Feyenoord and Ajax. It was all the, the lower league teams, you know. Uh, but someone was also making the point but he's going to be playing for the Feyenoord and Ajax of in Scotland, so he can continue to score against the lower league opposition because he's playing for one of the top teams you know but if you score 26 goals in the early division for a team that gets relegated you have ability mm. and I like the Kyogo's speed uh, and quickness of thought and his, his ability to finish then there's goals in that team you know so that that's good but they're still light in many positions you know and I've written a piece for the Celtic where it's going to go in either tomorrow I think it's tomorrow what if Callum McGregor gets injured Hmm. What would Celtic do? <laughs> you know, how pivotal is he 
and I was surprised that they didn't bring in a, another midfielder. Yeah, because I, th- I think as much as Callum McGregor's been reliable and injury-free, if he does get injured, I don't think you can say the same about James McCarthy. He's not going to be able to come in and play 40 games a season. No, you know, so I, I was surprised that Celtic never brought in a midfielder. And I was even more surprised that they never thought of going for Ali McCann from St Johnston, who ended mm-hmm. up going for £1.2 million. Now, that, that staggered me. Because I thought there was interest from Celtic and... Ali McCann, and then I you kind of read that they were being quoted £3 million. So I don't know what's happened here. Celtic have balked at that or walked away because St Johnson were maybe, you know, and they've now sold them to Preston for £1.2 million. Something's happened there, you know, because there mm. was an interest from Celtic. And I thought, if anything, he could be the guy should Callum McGregor get injured or, or be rested because he's played a colossal amount of football. Alan McCann could have been that, you know, that man to fulfil that role. Again, it's gone. But I was just surprised that he, that McCann went for so little. And I was surprised that Celtic didn't even think of going back in when it was announced that Preston were lodging a bid of just over a million pounds for 1.2, I think he went for. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's went on there. So that's a strange one. It is, it is a strange one, and I think, like you say, the the, the worry about McGregor is that he's, he's another year older at this point. The amount of games he's going to have to play because there is no other option is going to put him at risk of injury in itself. You know, it's not just going to be bad luck. It's going to be tired legs or, or you know, lack of concentration going into a tackle or something like that, or, or, or just, you know, joints giving way when he's played as much football as he has over the past... Four or five years. Is there a man that's averaging about four and a half thousand minutes of football in those past past five years? You know, upwards of five thousand in some in one of the seasons. You know, so that's a colossal amount of football for club and country. It takes its toll on the body. You know, so I, I was just I was just surprised. That's all. I thought I thought Celtic would maybe target a defender, a midfielder, a striker, and obviously a, a fullback. You know, so as a central defender, a fullback, midfielder, and a striker, they got what three out of those four. Yeah, which is fair enough. You know, it's but they're still light. The Ibrooks bench shows you they're very light. Certain areas, you know. I think it, I think it shows you the amount of work as well. That you know, I, I'm one of these people who I think, although there is legitimacy to to people saying, you know, oh, it's still not enough, and it's this and that. It shows you the amount of work they've had to do that we've had 12, 13 players come in the door and we're still not there yet. It's crazy. And also as well, you look at the quality that's gone. Now, you, you can argue the toss, but Christie and Edward were quality footballers for Celtic. Mm. Maybe not in the last 12 months, you know, but and they attracted a lot of uh, grief, you know, and a lot of ire from the Celtic fans, but they, they were... Outstanding players for Celtic, you know, and uh, anybody that says any different, then I'd question that. You know, I think they, like everything else last season, it just fell apart. And the people that you look to to raise you out of that malaise, it didn't happen. Christie and Edward being two of those kind of guys, but you, you cannot fault what they've given to the club and the good times and the goals that they they contributed. You know, so. They, they go they go with your blessing, you know, and you say thanks very much. Christy, I was surprised with going to Bournemouth, choice of club, but 
you know, the, the, the positives that people are accentuating is that Ange now has a squad of players that want to be there. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then that's good. In this couple of weeks, he'll get a real chance to work with them all. You know, because it's been a hectic start to Celtic season. So they've probably been training and playing, training and playing. Whereas now he's got a bit of time to actually get some methods and training across and actually get down to fundamentals on the on the training pitch, which he, he quite likes to do. He's very hands-on with that. So that's a good thing. And if you've got a squad of players that are now going to buy into his philosophy, his style, his management, then, then that's a good thing. But... Uh, and that's, that's, it's not a criticism of Celtic, it's just more the fact that uh, I would like to have seen them do more business. Hmm. You know, they have let a lot of quality players go. We've replaced, well, replaced some of them. Uh, we've still to see the quality of Cameron, Catherine Vickers and Jackamakis. You know, so, and, and but I'm quite excited about Jota. He yeah. won, uh, I think, will excite me greatly. Uh, you know, and I, and I know people can put up showreels and make everybody look good. They did it with Raphael and Celtic took a six million punt on him and it, it didn't work. That's fine. But I look at Jack and Marcus and I look at uh, Jota, Shoreo, and I think they've got something about them. You know, and Cameron and Carter Vickers, I think if if you, I know he never he only made one appearance for Tottenham, but he had a cracking loan spell at Bournemouth last season and all the fans said they would have loved to have him back. So, I go with that. That's a decent standard of football. Yeah, know? and I, th- I think as well, the further we get into Andrew's um, tenure as manager, you know, I still have reservations about whether Abada and Starfelt were Ange signings. Abada has hit the ground running, Starfelt not so much, but I'm sure he'll come round. But we're now at a stage where uh, the players that are coming in, you can't deny they are Ange signings and they are hopefully therefore going to be able to put that play across and, and at the very least uh, like you say at least there, we've got players who are glad that they're at Celtic and we are glad that we have all these listeners uh, and viewers watching us today on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you can find us. I think we're streaming from eight different locations Tony so God knows how many pounds that's adding to us. I'm not sure. <laughs> On the subject of Starfield, though, I felt he had his best game in a Celtic jersey at Ibrox. Yeah, he, he was absolutely fantastic, I thought. You know, a, a lot of people said he came on to a game against Alkmaar. I wasn't so sure, but I certainly thought he had a better game against Rangers than I've I've seen him have previously. And But my, my only gripe is that between him and Welsh, you know what I'm like with corners coming over? Just, <laughs> and just jump, block the run. You know, between you sort it out, See if there's big guys coming up from the back to stick the ball in your net, going to mark them, going to be a presence. That that and that's fine margins. Celtic didn't actually play particularly great at Ibrox, but neither did Rangers. Joe Hart wasn't busy. They they can't shot off the outside of the post and nothing else and and Hellander's goal. Right, that 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 was it. You know, so it, a, a draw would probably have been a fair result, but you know, and you hate to say it, but you know, champions find a, find a way to win. Celtic used to be able to do that, you know, grind it out. You know, mm-hmm. when you're, you're not playing well, then it can, it can come down to a set play. So now when when these things are happening, Celtic need to be able to defend those set plays. You know, lost a similar goal to Hearts, lost the opening game of the season, gone to Ibrox and lost to a set play. So, you know, four games in, 
two defeats. You know, not great, but positive strides have been taken. You know, getting to the Europa League group stages against a decent Eredivisie team, you know, will take that, you know, secures European football and will enjoy that. But there are things that need addressed. And that's that's one of them moving forward, you know, defensive frailties. You know, just, just deal with things. And I hope these are the things that Ange will be, I'm sure he'll be drilling it into them uh, in, the, in the time he has to work with them now. You know, just iron those things out because you can see what's happening there. They are, well, I always keep saying the words work in progress, but there comes a point where you have to be men at work. Where you, have yeah. to, you have to get the tool, you know, the, the boiler suits on, as they say, and get the tools out of the bag and, and start performing and, and do it, you know. Well, one one player that didn't look like a, a, a work in progress and looks like he might slot in quite well, even if he is having to play slightly out of position, although I'm sure he's played there before, is Juranovic. Um, I thought he, as much as he could have looked positive given the fact that we lost the match, I thought he looked like a player that I'm, I'm excited to see more of. He looks... He looks uh, I made the point in the post-match coverage, he looks as if he's got the ability to defend and attack. I think too often we have full-backs or, or wing-backs who can do one or the other, but not both. And I think he looks like he might be a, you know, a step... He's certainly going to be a step up in quality if and when Taylor comes back. You know, Ralston's done great, but I don't think we can rely on him for the season. What what were your impressions of, of Juranovic and what his place in the team could be going forward? I don't think you can underestimate the contribution of Juranovic. To go to Ibrooks and turn in that performance against a hostile crowd in a position that you're unaccustomed to. Mm. I thought he was, I thought alongside uh, Starfelt and Ralston, that, that they were our three best players at Ibrooks, you know, which said yeah. a lot about the kind of game it was. Because from middle to front, we, we failed to shine. You know, sadly, but that's that's just the way the game panned out. But I, I was really impressed with Juranovic. The, the only thing was when he was breaking forward, you always seen him checking on his right foot. And that's natural. You yeah. Know, that's just natural. But I, I thought he looked really solid, looked reliable, and he looked dependable. And from the get-go, he just seemed to get it. You know, he, he didn't look didn't look like a fish out of water, didn't look to try and make excuses for the fact he was playing uh, a role that was alien to him, normal. You no know, players have a natural position for a reason. Just got on with it. And I, and I admired that about him. You know, and as you say, got forward, defended when he had to. And I, I like you, I, I want to see more of him, but I, I'd like to see more of him in his natural position. But you you run the risk of destroying Anthony Ralston's confidence if you just bombed him out at this moment in time. Because he's having a real purple patch in his Celtic career, and you cannot find fault in Ralston at this minute in time, you know. But like you, I think uh, will he be, will he sustain that between now and the end of the season? I'm not so sure, and I think Juranovic at some point will will gain his natural position. So it's a it's a nice headache to have. You've got two guys who are, are vying for that. That's always a good thing for a manager. Uh, well, I was going to say, <clears throat> given our Given our um, involvement in the Europa League having been secured now from now until Christmas, you know, we're going to have patches where the games are coming thick and fast, especially, you know, towards the end of the year, uh, towards Christmas. You know, I, I think Tony Ralston, although I understand the point about, you know, perhaps shattering his confidence, I think it's part of being a 
footballer these days that you know you're part of a big squad and and sometimes you will play sometimes you won't and hopefully um you'll see Juranovic coming in as a good thing rather than a, a negative and something that he can he can you know make Juranovic take the shirt off him rather than just give it up meekly you know um this week on the marketer's report patrizio spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct to consumer for warner brothers discovery weighs in on building trust trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy and we have to be very respectful about that our partnership with iheart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent as the number one audio company iheart media gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the data you need to grow go to iheartresults.com for more I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Yeah. I mean, that, you see, that's, that's, the, that's the challenges that football is facing on a daily basis. You know, I, I just think that you, you wouldn't drop Ralston at this moment in time, would you? No. I just no. don't think you can afford to because he is playing out his skin and, and he's earned the right to start it right back for the time being. You know, so that 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 that's fine, you know, but Juranovic is coming in to take that shot. You know, be yeah. aware of uh, a presence over your shoulder. You know, I don't think Juranovic, Croatian International, is coming in to sit on the bench. So, and as I say, that, that that's a good thing. I think healthy competition for places is good. You know, uh, Liam Scales has also come in, and people are telling us that he's he's a very good footballer. You know, so uh, can he make that? step up from Irish football to playing Scottish football and he's, he's he's performed well in the Europa League himself with Shamrock Rovers so he's played at a decent level, you know he's got experience at a decent level so he might get his chance sooner than he thinks uh, and we'll be able to see what, what he's made of as well Well I think I think that's an interesting point that you raise, you know it's I was mentioning this to somebody I was talking to about Celtic and a few days ago where I was saying you know, it doesn't take an awful lot to change the way a situation looks. You know, we, we were talking um, at the European qualifiers when we were playing Michelin that, you know, oh my goodness, it's Ralston and Beaton at the back and how that was terrible. And now we look at a situation where you've got Starfelt, you've got Welsh, Julian hopefully coming back, Carter, Vickers and Scales who can all play at centre-back. So, you know, there's options there. Um, which I think is great and hopefully they can prove to be good strong options because I think although I I love Stephen Welsh and I think he's made a fantastic start he is going to need support going forward I don't think we can rely on him constantly he's probably in the same boat as Ralston as far as that's concerned he's great but he, he will need you know opportunities for other people to support him in that sense looking at um Carter Vicker specifically as you mentioned before he had a great um he had a great spell with Bournemouth last season, but I read an interesting thing or uh, reading the transcript of one of his interviews when he came in and he mentioned that Joe Hart had had a big part in, in convincing him to come to Celtic and I just thought to myself, that's fantastic to read that 
not only it, it goes back to your point about Celtic players wanting to be here. We've not only got Celtic players wanting to be here, we've got Celtic players telling other players how good it is to be here. And the and the whole mindset just seems to have flipped on stuff like that. I think of the deals that Celtic did on transfer deadline day, the Cameron Carter Vickers one was the one that had most Celtic fans punching the air. Mm. They, they knew they needed a centre back. And when Spurs said they wanted Celtic to buy him and it, and it kind of died a death, Celtic were, you know, you were like pretty despondent and disappointed. And then when it got resurrected very late on, you were like, yes, get this over the line. Don't don't make this one of those the next day we couldn't get it over the line jobs. Yeah. And, and so, and as you say, it's brilliant to read that. Of course, Cameron Carter-Vickers is going to say to Joe Hart, what's it like? And, uh, you know, players tell the truth, don't they? Yeah. Joe, Hart, Joe Hart's come in and got it right away. I know you had reservations about him and he's, you know, beforehand and you voiced that on the pod and fine, but you said that he's he's quickly uh, he's quickly laid those to rest. By the 100%, yeah. The way he's come in and he has been quite humble, but he's also, I mean, he's bought into the Celtic thing, you know? Yeah. He's bought into it straight away, straight off the bat, and he's loving it. And he, and then that that's a great influence. That That's a thing that guys with experience can bring. You know, he's told this guy, get yourself up here. This is wonderful. You'll love this. You'll not experience anything like this. You know, and the guys in Cameron Carterfix went, right, I'm here. I'm on it. And then he's saying that when Spurs came back to him and said, would you like to go up there? He was like, without a doubt. I mean, the, your first port of call was always going to be Joe Hart. If Joe Hart says, mm, I would maybe hang off and see what you can get down south, you know, then the guy would be like, nah. But he's obviously gave him such a positive and glowing review. You know, couldn't get up here quick enough. Yeah. And he's now saying, I spoke to Joe Hart, can't wait to experience it for myself. You know, all that kind of ties into the buy-in with Ange and players that want to be here. And, and I think moving forward, they, they're all... As you say, they're all good and positive signs. We just yeah. need we just need more players like that. <laughs> we need yeah. more on the door. You know what I mean? If you get what I mean. But for now, we have the nucleus. Of, uh, listen, from where Celtic have came from in the four weeks or five weeks since we played Mitchelland, it's night and day. Mm. The progress is off the charts, right? In terms of the the, the way we're playing and in, in, in the games that we've won, you know, and, and the way we've negotiated them. You know, disappointment to Hearts, disappointment to Rangers, of course. But it's been a hectic schedule and he's not had any semblance of a a settled team, really, has he? No. You know, so now you're hoping that, well, you've got to January now. This is what you've got to work with in January. And I don't think for a minute that the Japanese season finishes round about then. He's got his eye on he's going to bring in another three or four. 100%. From the J-League, right? Or, mm. or from, from leagues that he knows players. So he's just biding his time. Because you can't bring them in now because it's too difficult maybe to get the deals done. And he alluded to that. Mm. I don't think for a minute that he's not got a list that long of guys that he's going to say in January. We bring him, him, him and him in positions that we all know need need strengthened. You know, full-back, midfielder, maybe up front. You know, that kind of thing. So I don't think for a minute that I'm I'm I'm, I'm sure he's, he's aware of that in the, as much as the fans are. So... You know, has he been back? People saying he's not been back. Well, well, he kind of has been back, but maybe not to the extent that the Celtic supporters wanted with the, mm. players, the players that have left. But you know, small steps. We're taking small steps. I, th- I think, like I think, like you say, though, like there's no doubt if you look at 
just these three on this list, Christy, Ayer, Edward, we have lost a lot of quality. There's no doubt about that. But we've just been talking about players who want to be at the club. Those three players, as well as they've served us, did not want to be at the club anymore. And so, you know, I I, am... to go further on that point that we've been making, you know, I'm I'm less concerned about them having left than I might otherwise have been. You know, if 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 a club had come in, for example, with an, a bid for one of them that we just couldn't refuse at a time when they were still willing to stay at the club, then I think I would have been more gutted to lose them, kind of the way that we were with Tierney. Um, but that hasn't been the case. Um, going back to Joe Hart as well, uh, as you said, my reservations about him were massive coming in I, I, I didn't like anything that I'd ever seen him in interviews I saw enough of him in games as a goalkeeper as well as just his personality wise that I thought was going to be a problem but I actually think and the, and the biggest problem was ego The but I actually think to flip that around his ego has become a positive because he's seen an opportunity here where he sees the fans and he sees Wow, if I perform for this club, I could really be loved. Yeah. And I think that's what's appealed to him. Joe Hart's had a chance to reinvent himself here, you know? Mm. And if Joe Hart can get himself up to speed and do what Fraser Forster did at Celtic, Joe Hart could get back into the England squad, no bother. Yeah. Jordan Pickford's all that. You know? So and, and who who have they got in goals after him? You know, the, it was a it was a bunch of also runs at the Euros, none of whom that I could particularly name off the top of my head. Well, and and that's what I loved about Joe Hart. Joe Hart didn't turn down his nose at this. Joe Hart thought this is a wonderful opportunity for me to reinvent myself and go where I'm loved. And you cannot, you know, playing in front of sixty thousand people, it's addictive. It's a drug. And you you'll not have played in front of you know big crowds like that down in England a lot some games he will have but not not a lot but you'll yep. get up here he's just experienced his first taste of a, a Celtic Rangers game or, you know a Rangers Celtic game okay he's lost it but you know, these, are the, these are the games that guys want to perform in these are the ones that you when you retire you say that's on my CV I did that you know and I just like the way he's come in and he's embraced it and I think a lot of that stems from the manager the manager has clearly told him Joe you know you can come in and, and, and do something special for us. You know, and Joe Hart's went, do you know what, I can. And as you say, and I like the fact that he has a wee bit of ego. You know, that time at Celtic Park against Altmar when they were under the caution, the concession of a goal would have proved costly. And they end up, but they managed to see it out with a clean sheet. And he just said, I'm going long. I'm taking mm. the heat and the pressure. And he took that exact deck and he said to Callum McGregor, look, Going to, I'm hitting it to corners. You know, that's a goalkeeper that's adapting to a situation thinking, we're under P here. I'm going to use my experience to, and then tell the players, listen, I know what I'm doing here, trust me. You know, he's been around. And, and you listen to a guy like Joe Hart, you know, can you imagine Barkas or Bain making that kind of exact deck on a, on a football park? No. No, you can't. Can you imagine any of the players listening to them? at that particular moment in time, if that was a situation in the game, I find it hard to see how they would get communicate that message across. I'll tell you something, you know, Ange comes across as a pretty intimidating figure in some situations and I understand why. There are few players in that dressing room that I 
don't think are intimidated by Inge, but Joe Hart's in that category. Do I, do I think he'll listen to his manager? Absolutely. But like you say, if he's wanting to make the call and he's wanting to change up things, how they're working, and he can put his point across to Ange, I think he'll do it. Yeah, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing because you need as many leaders and as many voices on a football park as possible. And that's what I like about Hart. He's a leader, you know, and people can question whether they think he's uh, the goalkeeper of many years ago. I- I'm delighted that we've got a guy like Joe Hart in between the sticks. Because first and foremost, I think he can save the football, which is what we wanted for a start. Yeah. And he's got wonderful experience in that. That experience just, you know, he can transmit that to other players. He can talk players through football matches, you know. And yeah, of course there's going to be an ego there with Hart because of where he's came from, what he's seen and what he's done. But I don't mind that. If you can back it up, fine. You know, as I read some comments that people were blaming him for last week's goal. I mean, wow, you know. I know there's fine margins in the in the actual game and it was a set piece, but I thought, you know what? Well done by a set piece, a, a bullet header again. So, you know. Well, I was I was going to say actually because I I kind of was going down that road when we were watching it in the studio last week, and we did have a discussion with it during the match um, when we weren't on air, and I think we all came to the conclusion that so often you can see a goal repeatedly over and over slowed right down to within an, within an inch of its life that you get to the point where you think oh, why has he not saved that? You forget that it's going like that and it's a one time thing. He doesn't know where the ball's coming from. He doesn't really know where it's going. He's got a split second to make a decision. It can look bad on a replay but it doesn't always mean that the goalkeeper's at fault. I can also think as well he's maybe expecting his defenders to do better. Yeah. I think Starfelt's jump was slightly mistimed and he ended up underneath the ball. So, Yeah, but I think it was initially Welsh that was supposed to be picking him up because Starfelt yeah. had Golson, is that right? I think so, yeah. Yep. And then in split second where Hillander had got the run, Starfelt was nearest him and they, and they picked the TV pictures. So it looked as if he's mistimed it well. That I, didn't, I only saw it in real time and then I saw one replay. Too busy typing and too busy feeling sick. You know, but uh, <laughs> to watch it again and to pour over the finer details of it, quite honestly. But yeah, but you know, so I, uh, you know, you, you, every goal you're going to point the finger of blame at somebody, really, aren't you? You know, but I, I think, I think we've got to be mindful of where Celtic have come from when the manager stepped in the door. The the arduous task that he had to try and get a team. Uh, formulated for the Champions League qualifiers when everybody knew that they were never going to be, as Jim would say, battle ready, battle hardened for a competition like that. You know, so to qualify for the Europa League group stages is great. Great sign of progress. The the two games that they've won, they've won them with Panache and Flair in real style. The two games that they've lost could so easily have been won or at least drawn. You know, so you kind of you're marking a report card. You would maybe say, "What B minus, B plus, yeah. whatever, something like that." You know, there's things to work on. But I tell you what, you are from four weeks ago, five weeks ago. You're you're very encouraged. You're positive. You know, it could have been could have been better, but conversely, it could have been worse. So you accept that, yeah. I hate the word transitioning because I never really apply that to a Celtic team, but they are. 
transitioning just now. And once he gets a settled 11 and he plays players in their natural position, like Kyogo for me has to start through the middle now in every game. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think Ange knows that as well, to be fair. I'm not going to accommodate that with Jack and Marcus. I don't know. <laughs> but he has to start through the middle, right? It's For me, it's a no-brainer. So we, it's up. that's the manager that's going to make those calls now and he's brought these players in. You know, as you say, they're, they're his, his signings now. So you work with them and you find a formation that suits. I'm of the opinion, you can't get enough good players in your team. No. If Good players in your team, Laura. You have a good team. Yeah. You can't play with him, and that's nonsense. Good managers find a way to, you know, shoehorn good players into your team. That's how you become a good team. Yeah. You no, know, and, and I told you before, I'm I'm very simple sometimes, and narrow vision of the way I think about football. But it, it's quite a simple game. You know, my old man was a manager. He used to say things like that to me. You know, I say, good players in your team, you you'll have a good team, sir. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. So, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I firmly believe that. So, it's now just finding those eleven good players to play the formation and style that Ange wants, and and feel confident about it. But I, I'm like you, I, I feel confident about Celtic moving forward. Yeah, you know, I, yep, I think Sunday and the first day of the season were road bumps. We took a belt in the mush. That's fair enough. You you let your wounds and you've got time to now come back stronger, bigger and better. And if 100%. that's and that's what you want them to do, don't come back and drop points to the next, you know, because then you will start to question things and you know, so you know what's happening, you know. But he's get he's been cut slack. You know, a lot of managers wouldn't be cut slack with four league games played and two lost, and especially two, you know, one to Hearts and one to Rangers. But he's getting cut slack because he is new to it all, and we get that. But now Celtic have to go on a consistent run of winning matches, you know, to just show that we are going to be there or thereabouts. Well, uh, I was going to look at the next, the, the month of September and the fixtures that we have is a big month coming up. But before I do that, just want to say thanks to everybody who's watching. Um, apologies, I've not had a chance to get more of your comments up and things, but I'm sure if you had a one-to-one with Tony Haggerty to talk football, you would be listening to every word that he says and taking it in, drinking it in, if you will. But thank you very much for watching on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, on YouTube especially, if you subscribe and hit the little bell icon, um, you can get notified any time a video of ours goes live on the channel. Um, you can also be entered in a prize draw that we are doing on a monthly basis. Well done to Tony Casty, who won last month's August prize, which was the Fratelli's um, disc display um, for one of their albums. Uh, I don't know if he's been managed to be contacted to let, let us know uh, that he's, he's collecting it, but uh, well done to him. You could be the next winner. Um, Tony, looking ahead at the month of September, so on the 11th, we've got Ross County at home, followed by um, Real Batista away on the 16th. The 19th season's go to Livingston, followed by a, a cup game at home against Wraith Rovers on the 23rd. Then we are home in the Scottish Premiership to Dundee United and then home to Bayer Leverkusen to round out the month of September. A big month. And I think one of the things that we're going to have to show in the next month or so is that we can get points away from home. You know, we've got two games away from home, two big games away from home they are going to be where people are going to really concentrate because we've been flying at home. Yeah, 
And I think that's the, there's a small alarm bell ringing, right? And I've seen yet when I said that he's been, that Angie's been cut a bit of slack, but Chelsea supporters are, in the back of their mind, they're concerned about their way form. You would be, it would be churlish not to address that and, and talk about it, you know? So you have to say, right, okay, at home we're good. You know, we've put two teams to the sword, 6 nothing. You know, a team that came up from the, the, uh, you know, the, the first division, you know, uh, and also a team, St Mirren, who finished in the bottom six. So, okay, right, we can cope at home. We seem to be the real deal. Away games, Achilles heel at the minute, but it has to be addressed immediately. You know, and it doesn't matter the opposition, it just has to be addressed. You know, because uh, I think you, you understand that you're not going to be able to play the fast-flowing football, the rip-roaring free-scoring, never boring football that you grew at Celtic Park. Going to have to every every club that you play or every team that you play is going to try and hustle and harry you out of that style when you go away from home. You no know, narrow pitches, you know. So and that's when he has to start picking horses for courses teams and realizing right if this isn't going to work, where's my plan B to to go and win this? What what can I do? Which might be the likes of you talking about Jack and is coming in, might might mix it a bit. You know, if it's not Kyogo's through the middle day, mix it a bit. You know, we'll go with the, the battering ram of a centre forward. And it doesn't really matter at this stage, Ange, I don't think it really matters. We all love to see them play that style that brought the 6-0 victories. You see right now, I think Celtic supporters would take a consistent run of wins just to uh, get us to where we feel we, we want to be. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and of course at home, there have been pretty formidable at home and you can see that happening a lot to teams with the, the way they're creating and you know the guys up front that they've got Kyogo especially but away from home just want to see them start to string a bit of consistency and results and showing that okay if other teams are going to play that way against you then we've got the tools to you know equip ourselves with the tools to get in behind them and, and get goals when it matters yeah, uh, one one game that stands out there, obviously apart from the Europa League ones, there for me is the, the game away at Livingston. You know, it's going to be a it's going to be a strange sensation watching that one, given you know Livingston had quite a big part to play in um, our season last season and the ups and downs of it. They were obviously one of the teams we played when we had uh, a lot of players in isolation after the trip to Dubai. Um, we actually beat them by six goals uh, under John Kennedy when when Neil Lennon had left. You know, so they've been a they've been a marker for some pretty big occasions last season. It's going to be the case again this season if we can go away to to Almond Vale and beat them comfortably. Then hopefully, you know, it might be a bit of a turnaround domestically at least to our season. Well, I think that's a big game, Laura, because Celtic have pretty you know have struggled pretty much at the Tony Macaroni, haven't they? Mm-hmm. They've never been comfortable, you know. So I think an early marker would suggest that going there and winning comfortably if they can or just winning you know finding a way to win because they've drawn a lot of matches at Livingston they've lost a lot of matches in Livingston they mm-hmm. just hate that surface at Livingston for some reason so just even going there and taking a, again as I say small steps along the way go to Livingston and win it doesn't matter how you do it find a way to win you know and then you say right let's build upon that you know but you know, it's, there's no point in having stop starts in your season. You know, 
great result against Dundee, great result against St Martin, you know, bad result against Hearts, bad result against Rangers. You know, it, it can't be like that. It has to be, has to be better, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm not, these are just statistical facts, right? <laughs> You know, you look at the table and Celtic are what four points behind. That's, that's not you rolling out stats, is it, Tony? That's not like you. <laughs> no, you know me. I'm not a, a stats man. I'm talking about if you're looking at the table, and I know it's early days, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I'm just saying you have to guard against your season being stop start because you can't even afford to write off too many three points, even at this early juncture, right? And I'm not saying they're writing them up. I'm just talking about well, we've played four, won two, and lost two. So it's not great, is it? No. <laughs> you know, for want of a better expression, it's not great. Because when you look at the four of them, you think, actually, at certain points in all of those games, they were winnable. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just one of those things that the Hearts game was a bit of an anomaly. Rangers, you can win to them win against them, you can lose against them. It's not really an indication of the rest of your season. Um, So it's somewhat unfortunate that those two have happened so early in the season. But like you say, I think a big run in the next month where if we can get, you know, maybe even a draw and a win in the Europa League and then a 100% record in the league at home, uh, or in the league domestically, I should say, then, then you're going into October looking very strong. But uh, to close out the show, I wanted to look at the, the Europa League specifically. Obviously, the the draw was you know fresh out of the out of the bowl, so, so to say, on last Friday when we were on and and we were kind of just digesting it as it was coming in. We're starting away at Real Betis and then at home to Leverkusen, two of the hardest ties in the group, I would suggest. Um, what are your th- thoughts a week on of like what to expect out this group what do you do do you think qualification from the group is something we should be targeting or is that going to be a happy bonus do you think no we should be targeting qualification from the group Mm. completely and utterly I don't look at those teams and fear any of them do you no I think uh, I think Leverkusen has got good uh, uh, relatively recent European pedigree but Apart from that, you know, there, there's some nice names, but none of them have been particularly massive in recent years. Try to tell me that Celtic can't be a match for any of them at home. Oh, 100%. 100%. I that, right? So I I would say that I, personally, I'm looking to pick up nine points at home from those three games. Right? Yeah. Whether that's, that's doable or high in the sky, we'll soon find out. But that, that to me is a minimum requirement, right, if you want to get through this group. And I think Celtic have ambitions of getting through the group. Because as I say, I look at those teams and they don't frighten me, per se. I mean, I saw Bayer Leverkusen came to Ibrox eh, amidst lockdown, just as lockdown started, in fact, and, and battered them 3-1. No, well, no under any illusion. Any German team you play in European competition is formidable opposition. But, but so Celtic at times. Mm-hmm. You know, Celtic under Ange at home in Europe can be pretty formidable. It's just that they're away, <clears throat> away for them. Frightens you. You know, they just have to find a way to start getting results away. But yeah. I, I think they can get a result against Ferns Barros away. Betty's away in your first one. Tough start. But you know what? Go and embrace it. Go and embrace this competition. Go and be competitive as you can. You know? Go and, go and see the 
See the headlines for getting through the group, you know, into the knockout phase. That's where Celtic want to be. That's where you're, that's your yardstick. That's where you're measured. Go and, go and make this a season to remember for all the right reasons. Starting against Betis. You know, I, I look at them and I, yeah, they're all challenges, but they're not insurmountable challenges, are they? No, and I, th- I think as well, like Leverkusen, for example, have just lost Leon Bailey to, to Aston Villa. He was a, he was a massive threat and, and a, a major impact on the results against Rangers last season. So, you know, there's there's the potential that, you know, I think we focus so much on the crisis going on at our own club as we should and, and where we're at as a club. As Ed Altmar that we just played, certain other clubs who are who are we're going to come up against are having crises of their own and maybe aren't going into the games as confident uh, as they might normally do. So you know, you never know, basically. But I, I, I'm the same as you. It's a bonus that we're even in European competition this season, given where we thought we would be. So I think we should just go for it. Uh, it's a bonus that we're in it this early in the kind of transition or rebuild, as as we're talking about. You know, so why not? Mm. Why not go out there and just enjoy being at the, in the group stages of European competition again? You know, and have, as you say, have a rip at it, have a pop. You've got nothing to lose. Because people are right. You know, you look at that group and people are writing Celtic off in a group mm-hmm. that contains Leverkusen, Betis and Ferns Farris. You know, writing Celtic off. I mean, come on, Celtic. These teams are in their respective leagues, you know, from third to sixth down. I think that equates with, especially in the Spanish League and the German League, that equates with a top-tier team in the Scottish League, surely? Yeah. yeah. I think think we're very comparable. So, you know, to the victor, the spoils. Let's have it. You know, let's let's go into it and embrace this tournament and try and get as far as we can. I think let's go for it as well. Um, And with that, I think we'll probably... Uh, bring the show to a close. Thanks very much, everybody, for watching. Uh, thanks very much, Tony, for for your thoughts on Johnny Thompson at the beginning of the show and and thoughts on the next the next month or so. Uh, I just wanted to close out the show with this little quote that I found um, from James Handley that he wrote in his book uh, The Celtic Story in 1960, um, and it was about Johnny Thompson. He said, "It's hard for those who did not know him to appreciate the power of the spell he cast on all who watched him regularly in action." A man who has not read Homer, wrote Bagot, is like a man who has not seen the ocean. There is a great object of which he has no idea. So, you know, just because we haven't seen him in action, just because we haven't appreciated him in the flesh, doesn't mean that we don't remember him. As Tony says, uh, they live on in the hearts that they leave behind. And I think Johnny Thompson is that. Uh, We will see you all next week for the uh, continued Celtic bulletins on Axom and keep tuned to a Celtic State of Mind Mind YouTube channel I should say where we've got some coverage of a a music festival coming up this weekend uh, that will be covered by our very own Russell Boyce. Thanks very much Tony, thanks everybody for watching Uh, thanks very much and see you later
Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.